0: Genesis, chapter 26, verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them.
1: Welcome to Walking Through the Book. I'm Stephen McCrary and I am Brian Bales and today we want to talk with you about the Bible. Specifically, we want to discuss Genesis chapter 26 today. Walking Through the Book is all about these three things. We want to encourage Bible reading. Read your Bibles. They're there for a reason. Uh, Demonstrate proper and responsible study of the Bible. We want to make sure that you know that we can study the Bible. We can know what it says. And we want to emphasize what the text says. No more and no less. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And we certainly hope that what we have to share with you today is uh, useful in your studies and in you seeking God, uh, seeking the nature of God and who he is and his whole the the, the focus of who he is. Um, before we do start, I do want to follow up on something from the last program. We're going to go over uh, some of the ways to get in touch with us uh, in just a moment. But I mentioned last episode, and Bryant kind of helped correct me a little bit on this. Although, is it a correction, Bryant, if we're still kind of saying the same thing we did before? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 kind of confusing, but it's kind of like <laughs> a, just a clarification maybe? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I I made the point, and I'm bringing this up because I'm the one that said it. I made the point that uh, it seems that Abraham only has one wife at a time. In his life. <laughs> and he doesn't remarry until after Sarah has died. He doesn't marry Keturah until after Sarah has died. That's what we see in Genesis, uh, chapter 25. But, uh, I do want to, you know, Bryant brought up in Genesis 16 verse 3, it talks about how Sarai at the time gave Abram Hagar as wife. And so, um, I just, I, I want to be clear on that. Uh, this, that's what the text literally says. Now, uh, personally, uh, Bryant and I talked about it based on the context and what's going on there. I personally read that more as Sarah gave Abraham Hagar almost as a concubine. Um, and, and, and that really seems to be the situation to me simply because the language is different. Too, because what happens normally in, in Genesis when you, you see a coupling happen? Well, Adam knew his wife Eve. Or, uh, you know, uh, uh what was it? Isaac was comforted by Rebecca. Uh, something mm-hmm. to that effect. And, and, you know, actually, let me go back and look at that. Yeah. Um, he took Rebecca and she became his wife. That's back in Genesis 24 and verse 67. Um, Abraham took a wife. That's different. To me, that's a different, uh, way of expressing it rather than saying Sarah gave, uh, Hagar to Abram. Uh, it doesn't typically work that way. But, uh, Brian, did you have anything on that? Um, I just wanted to make that clear. No, I, yeah, I don't have anything else on that. Okay. Well, well, the text, I mean, we just wanted to emphasize that is what the text literally says. Right. Um, and so I just wanted to follow that up. I may be completely wrong with the point that I made last episode. Um, what do you think? Let us know. You can look us up on Facebook where, uh, if you Google at walking through the book, you'll find our Facebook page and, uh, you can message us on there. You can email us at walking through the book at protonmail.com. Or you can check out the website that normally hosts this podcast, NorthColumbusChristians.com, which, incidentally, is the website of the congregation that I work with in Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, we are the North Columbus uh, Church of Christ, and we encourage you to come visit us. We have uh, worship services on Sunday, uh, Bible study at 9, worship service at 10, second Bible study at 11, And then a midweek Bible study on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Anytime you can, uh, be with us. It would be wonderful. You would be our honored guest. Uh, For more information there, check out NorthColumbusChristians.com. Brian, why don't you let uh, the listeners know how to get in touch with you and where you work and kind of go over the flow of the program today. Yeah, so uh, I work with the
0: church at uh, Garden City in Savannah, Georgia. And the website is gardencitycoc.org, um, and you can check us out on Facebook as well. We've got an active Facebook page. It would be good to see you if you're ever in the area. It's a popular tourist destination, and usually you have a lot of uh, brethren visitors who are just passing through for vacation or just passing through from Florida or to Florida. Um, and, and yeah, we meet at 9:30 a.m. on Sundays and 2 p.m. and the afternoons on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, So it'd be good to good to see if you're ever in the area. Um, And what we're doing in walking through the book, like Stephen already said, is you know we we believe that uh, the Bible really is God's word. We don't believe that it's just uh, important um, in an instructional kind of way. We don't think that um, New Testament commands are the only purpose for what makes the Bible useful. Um, We really do believe that the whole Bible. Uh, in a u- very uniform and singular way communicates the character and the glory of God and teaches us very presently about even our current ability to have a relationship with uh, the unseen God. Um, and so we're trying to just go through uh, from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis very simply. So we're just reading chapter by chapter, sometimes more than one chapter, uh, if it seems like the flow uh, contributes to that, and we just talk through what we initially see in uh, initial observations every time we, uh, we read, and after that we try to just maybe put together some themes of how does our reading fit contextually with other things that may be going on in Genesis or even the greater context of, of the Bible, uh, and we always try to follow through um, and conclude with some applications that we can make from the text. And uh, if you've been listening from the beginning, sometimes the applications may surprise you just uh, just how, how strongly we can see we need to respond to narrative stories. Um, and I think it shows the utility of um, narratives. Uh, just kind of a, a side note, I went to um, a study in Auburn on the book of Ruth um, this past weekend, and it's amazing. Ruth is just a little four-chapter book. It's easy to overlook, but the, the points that were made from the narrative were astonishing. And so sometimes learning from narratives in scripture uh, is actually the most powerful because the lessons you learn sometimes are the most uh, unexpected, but having a picture, a scene, and a person um, to pull application from sometimes makes the application stronger. Um, And so that's what we're going to try to do with Genesis chapter 26 today.
1: Very good. Well, with uh, nothing else, I will read through Genesis chapter 26 out of the King James Version. Genesis 26. There was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar and the men of the place asked about his wife and he said she is my sister for he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought lest the men of the place kill me for rebecca because she is beautiful to behold now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that abimelech king of the philistines looked through a window and saw and there was isaac showing endearment to rebecca his wife Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper, and continued prospering, until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks, and possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells, which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there, and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley, and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Ezek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth. Because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there, and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, since you hate me, and have sent me away from you? BUT THEY SAID, WE HAVE CERTAINLY SEEN THAT THE LORD IS WITH YOU. SO WE SAID, LET THERE NOW BE AN OATH BETWEEN US, BETWEEN YOU AND US, AND LET US MAKE A COVENANT WITH YOU, THAT YOU WILL DO US NO HARM, SINCE WE HAVE NOT TOUCHED YOU, AND SINCE WE HAVE DONE NOTHING TO YOU BUT GOOD, AND HAVE SENT YOU AWAY IN PEACE, YOU ARE NOW THE BLESSED OF THE LORD. SO HE MADE THEM A FEAST, AND THEY ate AND DRANK. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another. And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. It came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was forty years old, he took as wives Judith the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Basemith, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. right. So this part of the episode, of course, we want to discuss some initial observations concerning the chapter. And, uh, Bryant, what were some things that kind of popped out at you in that reading? Well, I think this chapter
0: has surprised me the most out of any chapter, uh, that we've talked about so far. Um, cause I, I think one thing about this chapter before i mention my initial observations is uh we kind of talked about this a little bit um this is the only chapter where isaac is independently focused on you know so back in chapter 24 you get uh isaac um being born and separated from his brothers uh you get a genealogy of ishmael and then uh, you have isaac and rebecca praying for children and you see the birth of those children and then in chapter 27 uh jacob um steals esau's blessing so you know the focus moves away from isaac independently pretty quick so isaac i think is really overlooked um it's almost like he's the most underwhelming uh character in genesis as far as main characters you'd think that he would have some just outstanding role you know because he's the promised child and he's the father of jacob who turns out to be israel uh but really i think he's almost like a oh there's i guess there's a word i'm i'm not not uh not remembering at the moment but it's the idea of like when something is kind of elusive you know it's it just Um, kind of shadowy, kind of hazy, kind of hard to figure out. I think, I think that's kind of Isaac. But you know, what, what is Isaac's place in this, in this book? What's the purpose of why this is here? Anyway, so, uh, I think that makes everything here much more interesting, actually. Um, so I keep noticing more and more, and I noticed even more while we were reading it just now. How many connections go back to Genesis 21. Um, like, every part of this seems like in some way relates back to Genesis chapter 21 where Abraham uh, also interacted with Abimelech. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Um, but Abraham's name is mentioned eight times uh, in this chapter. And it really seems like Isaac is reliving, uh, the events of Abraham's life, uh, which is, which is fascinating. Um, and I think there's some things to say about that, but I guess, Stephen, what, what are some, what are some things on that, I guess, that, that comes to your mind as as you read through this?
1: Well, I mean, maybe I would kind of take it almost a different direction because I kind of get the impression that Isaac knows what his place is. Mm. I mean, even Mm. though, even though we may not immediately be able to grasp some of the things that are going on with Isaac, there's just not a whole lot to grasp onto. Mm. I wouldn't, I I would say that Isaac is not, um, I would say that Isaac is not a particularly exciting character. I, I think out of all the characters of the old Testament and arguably out of all the characters of the, of the Bible, you would be hard pressed to make some kind of movie or adapt some kind of story of his life because you know, number one, there's not a whole lot. So you'd have to make up a whole lot, but number two, one of the big things. And the reason I chose, uh, Genesis 26:18 is the core verse here is that I think that really speaks toward just the theme of Isaac's life, which I think is faithfulness. Um, if you go back to chapter 23, uh, Look at, you know, look at what he saw. Look at what he saw his father do. Look at how far he saw that his father was willing to go. Um, well, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Got the wrong chapter there. Um, we're looking at chapter 22. Uh, I was one number off there. But yeah, the fact that you know that Abraham, you know, that your father is so devoted to God that he's not going to let his affection for you get in the way of him being faithful. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, we talked about that during that episode. You know, I, I, I don't say that to mean that Abraham didn't care about Isaac whatsoever. And that, you know, uh, then we shouldn't care, but I am making the point here that here's Isaac. He sees this great faithfulness of his father. And you know what I get is Isaac just wants to be faithful. Like his father was. Faithful. Mm-hmm. And, 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 it's not a bad thing to want to pattern yourself after others that are doing the right thing. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and so that's what I see with Isaac and, and often, and maybe we can discuss this a little bit more in, in the application section. Often, if you have a family where, um, you know, one child is like, you know, let's say that child is the star child, the faithful, you know, the, the good, the good child, you might say. Um, you know, you would think that most people would be, you know, uh, you know, praising that child and helping that child. But, you know, there are some families where maybe more attention is being shown to those children who, um, are not doing right or that, you know, maybe don't seem to care quite as much and things like that. Um, so I I guess what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, even though Isaac seems to be somewhat, I guess you'd say boring or not as exciting as other characters, he's, he's faithful, he's dependable, he's reliable. Um, except of course when he lies, but, but, uh, but that's a, that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that just generally, I think we're looking at a theme of Isaac just being faithful. Mm -hmm. I Um, wonder...
0: So, I didn't really thought about this until you brought this up, but I wonder... You know, Genesis 22, I always focus on Abraham's attitude. But I wonder if God was cultivating an attitude in Isaac through that. You know...
1: Oh, I have no doubt.
0: not only seeing the faith of his father, but seeing his unworthiness. Like, God... God could have had him killed there and obviously still fulfilled his promise. Right. And Abraham believed that he could rise, raise Isaac from the dead. But Isaac seeing that, you know, by God's command, he was strapped down to an altar and his father grabbed the knife to finish the job. And then only by the grace of God mm-hmm. was there a ram caught in a thicket. You know, so I just, I wonder if, you know, God was working. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to relate this to something and this may not make sense, but. Saul. So things were happening in the life of Saul that behind the scenes were cultivating a certain attitude in David. And uh, now, Saul, the difference between Abraham and Saul is Saul was unfaithful. But just the idea of like behind the scenes, you know, God knew that David was going to be the one to reign. And so God was, he was cultivating circumstances to create a certain heart in David that was necessary for him to take the position of a king. And I just, I wonder if that's kind of what's going on with Isaac is behind the scenes, God is cultivating an attitude in Isaac to equip him to be able to carry on the stewardship of the covenant after his father's passing.
1: I I have very little doubt that that's the case because, I mean, I'm just, I know this is initial observation, so I'm cheating a little bit here, but think about all the times that Jesus addresses somebody in a conversation. And he, he, he turns and looks at someone else while he's speaking mm-hmm. to the person that he's turned away from. And it just the, the way that that language is handled, for example, in Luke and in other places. Um, it just sounds like odd behavior, but what Jesus seems to be emphasizing is that I'm saying this for the benefit mm-hmm. of everybody. Um, and, and so, uh, so I, I would say that yes, I, I, I have very little doubt that uh, what happened in Genesis 22 with the, the almost sacrifice of Isaac. I don't think it was just for Abraham Mm -hmm. there, 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 there must've been some sort of, I mean, how would that affect you? I mean, I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking about that. Like, how would that affect you to see that level of faith in your dad? And, uh, you know, the fact that I want to be like Mm -hmm. that, you know, and, uh, which is not, uh, a crazy thought in my mind. I think, I think that, that concept is so clear. I mean, I've, I've grown up most of my life saying, you know, if I could become half the man that my dad is, I'll be doing okay. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, time goes on and you, you see some chinks in the armor, you might say, but you know, uh, but that's okay. And, and I think, I think that's something to to look at here too is that, you know, Isaac. He possibly emulates his dad almost to a fault in this chapter mm. as well. Um, and we may, we may discuss that a little bit more too, but, it, but it is kind of funny too, where it's like, you know, really? Did, did you, did you not know these stories of when your dad lied to the same mm. guy <laughs> about the same issue? Um, and, and the thing is, what Isaac is doing, I would venture to say is a little bit more of a lie because technically, I mean, technically Sarah was Abraham's sister. Um, but I don't see how technically we could say that Rebecca is, uh, his Mm -hmm. sister. It's his cousin. I would say, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but, so that's probably technically more of a lie if you wanted to really, you know, nitpick here. It's it's interesting uh, too, though, that like kind of on that note
0: throughout this chapter, Isaac is reliving the life of Abraham in a lot of ways. Uh, And it's interesting because it's almost like that God was helping Isaac to experience the covenant uh, the same way his father did. Because God did not rebuke. Now, we know, you know, that Abraham lying was a sin, right? Um, but God not only didn't rebuke Abraham, he actually blessed him through that. Uh, and it's interesting. It's the same thing here. You know, Isaac not only, uh, isn't rebuked by God, but look at verse 13. The man began to prosper. So there's prosper the first time, continued prospering. So there's the second time until became very prosperous. There's the third time. So he just prospering, prospering, prospering. Hey man, I heard and- you like
1: prospering. So I'll let you prosper. You're <laughs> yeah. prospering. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So it's just, it's fascinating that, you know, the same, the same kind of lie is said, but God's faithfulness is the same. Right. And I think Isaac had, and I think this still is really just an initial observation that what I see is that Isaac had the opportunity to see how unworthy he was of all of this. Mm. You know, I think Abimelech sufficiently rebukes him, right? He tells him that, hey, we could have all been, we could have all been guilty because of you lying to us, you mm. know, and. Um,
1: and rightly so. And then,
0: right, right. And, and then knowing that God was quiet and blesses him. And then knowing, like, I think it's interesting at the beginning of the chapter, God emphasizes that this is because of Abraham. You know, he doesn't say it's because now you're so great, you're so wonderful, right. and I love you so much. It's no, 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 this is this is because of Abraham and what Abraham did. He's the one who this is all for, and you're just now a steward of what was given to him. You know, so that feeling of unworthiness, you know, just being cultivated in such a humble and good way through this chapter, uh, I think... You know, and we, we talked about before some of the other aspects of this chapter that we'll get into with application, but just how that obviously affected Isaac's character uh, and his generosity towards others, his gentleness and patience. Um, but anyway, I, d- I just think it's, it's significant where it seems like God is giving Isaac the opportunity to experience the covenant, the grace of the covenant, the mercy of the covenant, the reality of the covenant. In a way that was for him so that he individually could be close to God, not just be close necessarily because of Abraham, even though that's that's what's said. But he could be close to God himself, knowing
1: God himself through these events. Right. And and I think, you know, again, it is it is kind of impressive. And you make the point very clearly. I mean, he says plainly in verse five, you know, why he's doing all this, because Abraham obeyed my voice kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Uh, so hmm. that obedience was there. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, but you, you note too that, you know, even though, uh, he makes this mistake, he still is able to appreciate the grace of God and, and continuing to help him and be there right. with him. Um, it, it's right. the same, it's the same distinction I think we need to make when we consider these old Testament stories is to know the difference between what God permitted and what God, you know, really champions and what really God holds up as praiseworthy. Um, right. And, and he allows things for a certain reason for a time, but you know, it's like Paul says in Acts 17, time has come for all men to repent. It's different now. And, uh, so what, what do you think about, um, you know, in, in verses 34 and 35, this is just a minor point, but, you know, Esau was 40 years old. He took wives, Judith and Basemith, and their grief of mind to Isaac and Rebecca. I, I need to look at that and see some different translations perhaps, but, um. Yeah, I was what, thinking about that too. What do you think about that passage? No, uh, I think I think that is really interesting because that's right before the
0: blessing gets stolen from him in chapter 27 and I think that maybe kind of leads into that you know just uh Esau it it just seems like there's evidence that Esau didn't really have concern for preserving the purity of God's covenant.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh it
0: just seems like he kind of wanted to live his own independent life. Um, yeah. So I think it kind of leads into chapter 27 when he says here, you know, take my inheritance and give me this little stew. Um, it's really not completely out of left field, you know, and I think Isaac obviously was incredibly concerned about preserving the covenant mm. and respecting what God was doing through this lineage. And it seems like Isaac, uh, I'm I'm sorry, I just, I meant to say Esau just now, Esau uh, not only was unconcerned, but actually seemed to be purposely moving in a different direction.
1: Hmm. The New Living Translation, I'm not a huge fan of, but it says their Esau's wives made life miserable for Isaac and Rebecca. <laughs> hmm. I don't know what they're what they're doing to make life miserable, but um, uh, could have been a clash of cultures or whatever. There, there's a lot of speculation. We could go there, but uh, but suffice to say. It's not a good thing. And, uh, right. as you say, it, it really feeds into that whole thing that, you know, Esau is going down a path really. And again, this is, uh, more we could look at in the New Testament, but a path of bitterness. Um, you know, uh, just a, a, as you say, just a different path entirely. Right. Because so. remember
0: how careful was Abraham to get an appropriate wife for Isaac. You know, where did Rebecca come from? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not that Isaac just chose a woman from the land. And I think it's interesting that Isaac waited for Abraham's choice to come to him. You know, Isaac didn't say, well, you know, Abraham, that's, I hear you, dad. but That's not really what I want. You know, an arranged marriage. It just doesn't sound right. Like, no, he, he accepted the, he accepted the responsibility that came with the covenant and the preservation of that covenant being within the lineage of Abraham and his family. You know, I think, you know, those women for Esau and Rebecca would have, I mean, for one, I would have a hard time imagining that they weren't idolaters. Um, but then for two, I have a hard time imagining that they abandoned their culture of their community for the culture of God that existed within Isaac's campground. Um, Right. And so I think I think there's a lot of things you can kind of speculate that probably just really bothered um, Isaac and Rebecca uh, having these two women, um, Mary is their son, you know. And of course, currently too, they he has the right of inheritance still. When this is said, sure, yes, you know. So yeah. he's still technically going to inherit these promises in their mind, you know. So it's like, wow, what's what's happened now to the the
1: lineage that this is supposed to all be happening through? Mm stepping through this chapter it's really it really becomes an interesting story the more you think about it because uh you know you've got this initial point and i I wonder you know have you ever made a bad first impression on somebody Mm, all the (laughs) time like always, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian and I joke with each other about how we're like we're the kings of awkwardness, and, and oh man, part yeah. of what I'm on my throne. <laughs> part of part of how you deal with that is what we've talked about. Is there are going to be times when you just embrace that awkwardness and you kind yep. of roll with it, so to speak. But uh you know, he, it seems like this initial point with Abimelech, I think that would make a pretty bad impression of Isaac Mm. on Abimelech. Well, Mm. what happens Mm. then? Well, all these good things start happening with Isaac. And then on top of that, uh, who is Abimelech? Abimelech is the king of the Philistines. Interesting. And even though there's all this resistance and all this, you know, no, we're going to fight over this well. No, we're going to fight over this well. No, we're going to fight over this well. What does Isaac do each time? We'll, We'll develop this a little bit more in the next section, but he 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 has this graceful attitude you know okay i'm going to build a well somewhere else and then abimelech takes the time to go to isaac and he's saying you know we've seen that the lord is with you and so we want to make a covenant with you that really speaks volumes um that 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 initial uh, impression it would seem that isaac made on abimelech has really been smoothed over to the point that Abimelech is seeking him out for a covenant. And, uh, that's a pretty interesting thing. I don't know how much time this, this, this was or what time span this was, but, um, but it's really interesting when you see that, that someone who typically would not merit any kind of trustworthiness at all, um, he's, uh, you know, if, if he had just focused on that initial event, he would have said, well, you know, there's no point in 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 seeking after him. But over time, Isaac builds up that relationship, it, it would seem, or at least builds up the possibility of relationship. But he doesn't even – he doesn't go after Abimelech. He just is who he is. Yeah, and he, he just, you know, through his actions, through his character, I think, he accomplishes Not, these things. Wow. Okay, so
0: this is probably jumping forward with our our podcast order, but – as you were saying that this really struck my mind is proverbs 16 verse 7 it says when a man's ways please the lord he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him
2: mm. well
0: that's, and that's what that's, that's, that's this it. whole chapter yeah that's it yeah and it's how much of a subject or a theme is god bringing peace between enemies throughout the bible you know especially right. especially through someone seeing god is with you and I will want to comment on that more in, in later sections, but anyway, I just, I hadn't thought about Proverbs 16, verse seven related to that, and I think that is, that's powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Almost seems like with that turn of events, it was almost like God vindicating, it's almost like God vindicating Isaac in the eyes of Abimelech, you know, because Isaac, the reality is he was associated with God and what he did could defame God. But it's like God wasn't going to let that happen. You know, God worked it out where Isaac was vindicated in the eyes of Abimelech and exalted and seen as even more mighty. You know, so where at first there could have been hostility, God brings Isaac through that and still manages to exalt him. And I wonder if you could even relate that to David. You know, that David defamed God in his sin, but God through his covenant was going to make sure that David still would receive exaltation and that he would be vindicated through that because of the heart that God knew that he had um, and I'd also never really connected this chapter to David with um, God fulfilling
1: his covenant through him despite his sin, yeah and really something like that happening should be a point of hope for us right because yes you know it's anyway yeah we're we're gonna <laughs> <I know. laughs> we can delve into that <laughs> right. <laughs> so as we go into what I call the theme section um, uh, Brian you had a note about uh, the significance of Beersheba in this chapter yes you want to go into that a little bit yeah so I think
0: this 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 whole scene I think is is fascinating um, so Abimelech and Isaac have this quarrel about water And the whole well thing is is fascinating to begin with. If you go back to chapter 21, uh, verse 25, uh, when Abraham and Abimelech are making a covenant that Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized from him. Um, And while they're making that covenant, Abraham, in verse 28, sets seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves and you lamb is like, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I think that's a really weird word, ewe. Anyway, it's, it's a young lamb. <laughs> so he puts seven young lambs of the flock by themselves, and that's supposed to be like a sign of the confirmation of their covenant, a witness that Abraham is the one that dug that well. So in verse 33 of Genesis 26, uh, Isaac calls the place, where there was this well that they found just like Abraham was making a covenant around the circumstances of his well. In verse 33, after that covenant that Isaac had made with Abimelech, he calls that place Sheba, which means oath or seven. And so he's naming the place after the covenant that his father had already made. Um, I think there's a lot of things here that are way more significant than I understand um it's like sometimes for example you see things in scripture and it's almost like a door opens when you're reading something like it's almost like something clicks enough where you realize just how deep uh something is that god has said but i mean you haven't really begun to explore where that really goes so what i'm saying is with with this whole circumstance it seems obvious that you know, the fact that Isaac calls this Sheba, that it's surrounded with him also digging a well and finding water, he's making a covenant with Abimelech, it's the, it's, it's the same location because it was Beersheba as well in chapter 21. Um, and you see in verse uh, 33 of chapter 21, then Abraham planted a tam- tamarisk tree in Beersheba. Uh, so just the parallels are, are fascinating. Um, and I think it really it really relates to um, Isaac reliving the things of Abraham, and and almost like taking personal ownership of it for himself. Um, but but yeah. So anyway, uh, do you
1: have any do you have any thoughts on that, Stephen? Yeah, one thing, Ulam actually indicates a female sheep. Ah, so
0: female it so, is okay. So not a young one, but a yeah, female.
1: Yeah. Um. Of course, seven. Uh, could be indicative of a completeness or a complete number. Right. See, and that's interesting to See um, that it was seven, yeah. So there's that aspect of it. But I do think this kind of goes along with, uh, the theme with Isaac that we talked about earlier that we discussed is the idea that, of, of his faithfulness. I, I really think it's one of the things that will help the Bible come oh. alive for us is, uh, is the thought that, um, you know, how would I feel in this given situation if I was in this person's shoes? And that's really what we have to do is to try to insert ourselves into this situation to some degree or another. Of course that can be taken too far, but the reality of it all, um, I think the fact that again, the fact that Isaac is, is digging these wells back out shows how much he loved his father Mm. And the fact that he has this covenant with this man—I mean, obviously he would have known about the covenant with Abraham and Abimelech—and um, so he—he has. It seems he has an enormous regard for what his father did with these wells, right. and he's wanting to 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 open them back up. But mm. it's almost
0: like I can, it's almost like Isaac's role was preserving and renewing the life-giving thing that his father had uncovered. Mm. I do think it's interesting in verse 19, your translation and mine says that they found a well of running water. Uh, other translations, I believe, say a well of living water. And it's interesting that Isaac's life is basically focused on these wells that he digs up and how the focus of that is is also that these wells belong to Abraham as well. Uh, so I think that's that's pretty
1: interesting. Yeah, and they're, they're not called Isaac's wells, are they? Right. Right.
0: And it's interesting, too, um, because in verse 18, I think this is interesting. The Philistines stopped up the wells of Abraham. And the covenant that they made, it seems like in chapter 21, verse 30, the Philistines and Abraham made a covenant so that they wouldn't do that. But as soon as Abraham died, they took it and they filled it back up. So Mm. they betrayed the covenant Abraham made with them and Abraham did not. And it's interesting, God is renewing it. So even though the Philistines Mm. violated it,
1: God is using Isaac to restore it. Okay, so are we are we making ties here from the standpoint that israel became a place of idolatry and sin yet god preserved the remnant interesting interesting whereby, interesting whereby uh he brought them back from the exile uh that same group of israelites that were faithful uh for a a, a span um eventually their religion became uh, very vain and pointless. Mm. Their hearts weren't in it mm. by the time of mm. the prophet Malachi. Um, kind of in the same situation by the time the first century rolls around. Oh, and yet God preserves this remnant that follows the Messiah and they bring about the greatest fulfillment of the, I guess you would say, the Abrahamic Covenants. The, no, yeah, you know, no, that makes a lot of the, sense. the the fullest The fullest expression of the covenant oh, that uh, that God made with Abraham.
0: No, that makes so much sense because, think about it. What did the unfaithful of Israel do? It's almost like they they were stopping up the life giving source. That they killed the Messiah. Right. Right. Exactly. And and think about the prophets. The unrighteous were, you know, Jeremiah even says, hmm. He says something similar in Jeremiah chapter 2. It, it's, not, it's not exact, but it's maybe similar. So Jeremiah 2, verse 13, he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have mm-hmm. forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So it's like they were forsaking their source of life and water. And it's like, what was Jesus' mm-hmm. role? To uncover that source and bring it back mm-hmm. to what it was intended to be. Uh yeah, that's that's very interesting. That's very,
1: very interesting. What does he say in John? Um, the one who uh keeps my words or follows my words will find them to be a well springing up within him to eternal life. Right. I'm paraphrasing, but uh I think that's um, John seven thirty seven who believes in me this in uh, verse 38 as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the holy spirit was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified right. interesting um, and of course we look at that at least i look at that from a standpoint of you know the spirit gave us the word mm. and it's through the w- word that we have that life that we have that that Strength and we have that hope, um, and uh, and and again, what we mean by the word is exactly what we're studying and what we're looking at in this podcast. Mm. You know, and I wonder if that kind of relates to nineteen through twenty-two uh,
0: with this quarrelling that happens until eventually God. So in verse twenty-two, he says, "For now, the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land." And it seems like Isaac had been trusting that as he gently moved on and just continued that God would provide a well that they could use and and have. And he just trusted that each time they took the well, that God would provide eventually. And he did. And so once that happened, he acknowledged the Lord has made room for us. And I wonder if that's like Jesus and his peaceable nature, that Jesus, when the Pharisees would quarrel with him, that even God, when Israel would persecute the prophets, God would just continue he would just continue, and Jesus mm-hmm. would ju- just continue to trust, even at the expense of his life, God would provide life. God would make room. God would provide the well of living water, which he did, right? And ultimately, Jesus fulfilled it through peace, which is exactly what Isaac did here. Isaac was nothing but peaceable when they were the ones quarreling right. with him.
1: So, yeah, Even though he could, interesting. Have made, he could have rightly said, no, right, my father... Yeah. Doug these. Okay? Right. Right. And, right. Right. And, you know, how often do we try to demand our rights, quote mm. unquote, when the reality is, um, you know, everything we get, we get from God. There's an aspect of this that has to do with our treatment of others. And, mm. uh, I thought about Deuteronomy 25 and verse 13. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Of course, Mm -hmm. that is God speaking to the Israelites, but there's an aspect there where you're not going to try to cheat others or, you know, have a different weight would suggest that, you know, you're weighing out, for example, money and you say, well, you know, you're, you're giving me less money than this, than it really is. Um, and of course that's maybe the extreme point here. Uh, but even beyond that, it's not just avoiding doing the wrong thing. It's fully embracing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so the right thing is to, uh, be gentle, to be giving and, uh, I want to revisit that in the next section as well. But Mm. I I think there is a lot to to learn here in Isaac's treatment of others. Right. Yep. Yeah, and God certainly used that, like we talked about earlier, for his vindication.
0: Um, Yes. I want to show you something interesting. Go to Zechariah chapter 8. Now, this is related to verse 28, though. So, they said, Abimelech with uh, his friend Ahuzaph and Fikol... That's how you pronounce those those names. Uh, They say, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So now they want to make a covenant. We'll go to Mm -hmm. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23. I think this is very interesting. This is a prophecy, it seems, about the new covenant and about how desperately people would want to make a covenant with God. Uh, For instance, in verse 21 of Zechariah 8, it says that people would... Say, let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. Verse 22, yes, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Now look at this in verse 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days, ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So again Genesis 26:28 mm-hmm. they say we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you so they want to make a covenant. So I think that's that's an interesting parallel to that prophecy in Zechariah verse 23.
1: Um and then in a messianic way uh John 12:20 there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship mm-hmm. at the feast they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida of Galilee and asked him saying sir we wish to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason they were trying to see him was that, that the, the prophecy of the Messiah had been spread mm. and, and told in, in all these different countries and all those different nations under heaven at the time. Uh, at least, uh, not literally, but, uh, but in terms of the prophecy. So, um, yeah, a uh, lot of interesting things to, to think about there. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting on that too. Do you see any part
0: of this where God ever, like, spoke to
1: Abimelech? Because in, let's see. Yeah, the previous time with Abraham, I think there was a direct. Yes. Unless I'm getting it mixed up with uh, Pharaoh.
0: I'm looking back there.
1: Pharaoh. I'm looking back there right now.
0: Um yep, God came to Abimelech in a dream by night, chapter twenty verse yeah. three. So here I don't see any direct intervention.
1: No, no. Um he he sees the way that Isaac is treating Rebecca and he's like, Oh, they're together <laughs> And, he right. says, and even with first- obviously together. Even with verse
0: 28, though, it's like he perceived God was with him without God saying that directly to him. Yes. So he simply yeah. saw the evidence that he was glorified.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so now now we, we're, we're digging. We're digging now. Go to Isaiah. <laughs> go to Isaiah chapter 60. It's happening.
1: It's all happening.
0: So Isaiah 60... Eight and nine. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roost? Surely the coastland shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. Uh, and throughout that, um, the context mentions. Um, over and over again through the next few chapters that the people will be seen and acknowledged as being the lords Uh, chapter 61 verse 9 their descendants shall be known among the gentiles and their offspring among the people all who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the lord has blessed so wow here it is. Amazing.
1: And that, I think that was true. Uh, that's true all throughout the scriptures. Um, we've only just begun with that because, right. um, it's gonna, it's gonna happen to some degree with Jacob and his uncle Laban. Mm. Uh, it's gonna happen with Joseph. It's gonna happen with plenty more people. I, I can think of, I can think of Daniel. Um, but even the Israelites in Egypt, uh, got to a point where they were loved by the Egyptians mm. on the way out. Um, and yeah, you could argue that part of that is supernatural or miraculous, but, um, the text itself just says that, that they, uh, fell in favor with the Egyptians. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things to think of there. And, and it tells us that there is a point to our actions. There's been parts of, just to kind of share, there's been parts of my life where I guess I felt like I don't need to have uh, a closeness with anybody. And uh, maybe I've let that burn some bridges in my life. And of course that's, that's terrible. Um, but it's not about necessarily me having those relationships for the sake of myself, but it's for the sake of God. Um, so that as you read, you know, as you brought up, Brian, that he, he indeed can be glorified. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's happening in this chapter as well. Well, let's go into our final section and we want to deal with application. Um, of course, we can listen to sermons. We can go to all the Bible studies we can. We can go to church services. But if we don't actively apply, we can read through the passages, of course. And we, if we don't actively apply what we're reading and what we're hearing, what we're seeing, uh, to ourselves, then it really becomes pointless. And so, uh, Brian, what are some applications that, uh, you might pull out of this chapter, um, some things you might suggest to somebody or really things that we need to learn ourselves. Well, I think, uh, one is verse 33, I guess
0: kind of a surprising one, but, um, verse 33 with, uh, him calling it Sheba and that being related to Abraham's oath with Abimelech before, uh, Isaac remembered, the works of God in his father's life and the events of his father's life so that he could recall them at a similar time. And uh, the Psalms really talk a lot about recalling and bringing to remembrance the works of God. Uh, Psalm 1 verse 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. Um, And so I think an application is, you know, God's the old testament for instance god's works in the past god's past works give present comfort and future hope and mm. god's history establishes a pattern of habit for us to trust in to recall to mind and to bring to bring into our mouths so that we can speak of god's past workings and faithfulness as well and i know that in verse 33 what isaac is doing is he's naming a place but you know, he's speaking something that reflects back on something Abraham had done related to God's working with Abraham. Um, right. So, just just the significance of really knowing what God has done in the past, and knowing it to the point where I can call it to mind at pertinent times, where hey, wait a minute, this situation r- reminds me of what God did at this time, or this really reminds me of something Jesus taught, or this really reminds me of something. Uh, I mentioned the Psalms. This really reminds me of something the psalmists really prayed about. Um, and I think that that really equips us to take action through our lives in ways that draw us closer to God and help us to be thankful at all the different ways that he's acted to equip us to to know how to handle different circumstances that we face.
1: Would you say that it helps us reach that faith response right. that we need? Right, yep, yeah. Um Cause I, I, there, there's an element here too that we need to keep in mind that, that again, I, I don't want to overstate this, but there's nothing wrong with us looking at the present ooh. examples that we ooh, have ooh, 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 in the face. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and again, we've mentioned so much in this episode how present, how, how long Abraham's shadow is. And you think about it, there are so many children out there that labor under their parents' shadow to the point where they do become bitter against it and they maybe resist it or become hostile toward it. Right. And, uh, the reality is I, I think Isaac is, is so proud and appreciative of his, of his father's legacy yes. that, that he, he loves so much, you know, uh, I I I think he obviously loved Abraham on a, on his own merits of course but but really I think primarily Isaac translates that into I'm going to be faithful to the Lord like my father was faithful to the Lord mm. and and that that same thing is so important for us to learn uh Jesus says uh, be uh perfect as your father in heaven is perfect Paul says imitate me as I imitate Christ and of course we know that Paul was a man that Paul had faults, Paul had a, a thorn in the flesh whatever that was. Um and so Paul wasn't saying emulate me uh, when when he was saying that he wasn't saying emulate my weaknesses. Uh he was saying in the ways that I'm like Jesus, you imitate mm-hmm. that. That's the part that you imitate. And and we need to keep that in mind that there's nothing wrong with us understanding and appreciating the good examples that we can have right here, right now in this life. Yeah, and it really reminds me, too, of Ezekiel 16, 22 and
0: 43, where what God is doing in Ezekiel 16 is, uh, if you haven't read that chapter before, God is using some of the strongest language and imagery to convey to Israel the uh, disgusting nature of their sin uh, and just how disappointing and shameful their condition is. And he says in verse 22, And in all your abominations and acts of harlotry, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare, struggling in your blood. And then in verse 43, Because you did not remember the days of your youth, but agitated me with all these things, surely I will also recompense your deeds on your own head, says the Lord God. Um, You know, so because uh, Israel forgot their legacy, didn't have an interest in upholding their legacy, didn't weren't humbled by where they came from uh, they rejected the covenant and I think what we see uh, in Genesis 26 is Isaac remembered where he came from um, he remembered the legacy of his father that was the source of why he was blessed and he wanted to bring that forward and wanted to preserve it you know and like you were saying Stephen I think even the first chapter of first Corinthians where Paul talks about how the Corinthians needed to remember that the cross is the power of God. The cross is where we come from. That if we accept the gospel, our legacy is not whatever lives we've lived or our fathers or our mothers. Our legacy is Jesus. And our legacy are the things that led into Jesus perfecting his work and raising from the dead. And my ambition and interest should be bringing that to remembrance and recalling that to mind and trying to bring that into my speech that, um, Jesus accomplished something magnificent and astonishing, uh, to behold and to learn of. Um, so anyway, if, if Isaac was so motivated to bring this to
1: mind, then surely I should have so much more, um, our actions and our life show us who our father truly is. Mm. Uh, Mm-mm-mm. Jesus, Jesus says in John Oof. eight to the Jews, John eight and verse 44, you are of your father, the devil and the desires of your father, you want ah. to do. Mm. And, you know, uh, we could read on from that, but the whole point there is that they were going along with what Satan wanted, um, mm. unbeknownst to themselves, but, uh, they were claiming Abraham as their father, but right. they had a different father. Wow. Yeah, and, what a great point. You know, earlier on in the chapter, verse 39, uh, they say, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham.
2: Ooh,
1: that is Genesis 26. Yeah, that's it. So Isaac is a true son mm, of Abraham. Mm, mm, mm. Wow.
0: What was that verse again?
1: That was uh, John eight thirty-nine. 39.
0: Ooh, man. What you said about you said something that you could put like on a fortune cookie or like on a canvas, you know, like those that word art. Something you said you could make into like word art and put it on a canvas or something.
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what it was. It was one of the first things you said to kind of trigger that thought. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was like, wow, this is good. <laughs> I'm sure that you know if you're listening to this, you can hit your 30 second back button to kind of like go back and see what I said because I don't think I could say it. Yeah, get any better than I did it in word did. art form. <laughs> Uh, contact uh, contact the fortune cookie companies <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, so, that's so real though and, and we need to keep right, that in mind right. that you know yes. I need to be real with myself um, yeah one other thing I thought about with this too is uh, regardless of the frustration that sometimes can be brought about by others we need to persist in grace um, right Isaac wasn't concerned overly concerned, I would say about Philistines trying to lay claim to these wells that his father dug mm-hmm. and um I, it makes me think about passages like hebrews twelve twenty eight therefore, interesting. since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear um The idea is that you know nothing could take the inheritance of Abraham from Isaac. And I think Isaac understood the difference between the fact that, you know, just because these wells are in somebody else's hands, that doesn't matter. It doesn't take things away. Um mm. I've done what I need to do. That's, that's the, that's the, that's what I get from this. Um Similar statements in Luke six and verse 38, Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, mm. pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. We need to remember that our place in the kingdom is not something to be uh, scrupulously guarded and counted and saved up. Um, it's something that is abundant and that we need to be willing to share. Um, mm. It's not something that we uh, cut off others, that we... Don't believe are, uh, worthy of these things. Uh, we work to include as much as possible. Mm. And, uh, in, in our inclusion, we, we, uh, we have grace. And in the places where we're not wanted, we go. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, also clear when, when Jesus tells the disciples, if someone wants you to go, leave the place. And that's exactly how mm. Jesus was. And it's the same thing in our hearts. If if you don't want Jesus in your heart, he's not going to fight to stay there. Um, he's going to leave. And uh, there, there's a lot more that we could talk about there. But
0: Yeah, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And that certainly
1: is the way that this chapter ends up. I mean, um, mm. really great situation where a says, you know what? You, the Lord is with you. I can see that. Let's make a covenant. Um, we don't want you to do us any harm. We know that you're mighty. He says earlier, um, in the chapter in verse 16, go away from us. You're much mightier than we. Oh man. And so, so,
0: yeah, go ahead. God made him mighty without him acting mighty. Right. Yeah. Meekness. So Isaac acting. Yeah. Isaac being meek and peaceable. God exalted him above Abimelech. Who is the one who had servants quarreling with him? And that's interesting. All he had to do is trust, gently trust and live faithfully. And and, and
1: that's another thing too, is that being faithful is not going to get you. uh, I I, I should say not always, but it's not always going to get you a lot of attention. In fact, it may get you the wrong kind of attention. Uh, (laughs) It may get you a lot more hostility than anything, but, um, that's another commonality we see throughout the scriptures is that, you know, what are God's people are God's people going out and doing the big ambitious things. Typically. Mm. No, um, they're quietly and steadily working for the Lord, being faithful in all that they say and in all that they do. Right. Uh, it's a great lesson for us. Yeah. And I think
0: in the note of the section you were talking about in 19 through, uh, 22, You know, the idea of how quickly Isaac was willing to let go of these Mm -hmm. wells when there was a quarrel, you know, because we kind of talked about this a little bit uh, before the podcast, how much work uh, you'd have to invest in digging a well. I mean, from what I understand, it would just take an incredible amount of work to actually dig to the point where you could have yourself a well where you could Mm -hmm. draw water and use it. Uh, you know, and, and Isaac apparently was just willing to do that over and over and over and over again. Um, and he's never the one that, that quarreled, you know, it's, it's the Philistine people that did that. So it's interesting how quickly he was willing to let go. And I know that it can really be a struggle to let go of physical things that you've invested in that you're receiving something from. Um, whether it's something that you've put value on or something you've just worked really hard for or something that has some kind of, um, sentimental value. Uh, but I think I get the sense that Isaac really just wasn't focused on physical things, Mm. uh, that this physical water, like it's, it just reminds me of Hebrews 11, where God points out that these old men of faith were seeking a home country that was heavenly, and that's what they were really having their eye on. You know, even even when those things weren't fully made clear, they understood that their inheritance really was actually just the Lord himself. Mm. And because of that, they were willing to part ways with physical things that
1: caused trouble. And think about how how different that made them even back then. Right. Yes. Yeah. And uh and how different and separate it will make us today. Because right. the, the, the truth of life is that mankind really does not change very much in terms of what, mm-hmm. what we're typically going to do, the errors that we typically make. Um, a lot of that is pretty constant. Right. Um, but the unique quality of being a child of God and being part of his kingdom will help you to circumvent, uh, those norms mm. and, really be unique in the kingdom and to be you know to be unique among the world is to be exactly who God wants you to be mm. and, and right. in his kingdom so right. very different from the rest of the world and you know let me ask this Brian we've been seeing an ongoing theme of separation with genesis mm. it's interesting i don't really see a whole lot about that here maybe i'm not quite seeing that per se uh the only thing i'm getting is esau that continuing separation from him. Um uh, maybe in a microcosm here we see this separation between uh Isaac and Abimelech actually works for the good in the full right span of it. Right. So, Almost
0: like it, it doesn't need to be a hostile separation. Like there needs to be a separation, right. but it doesn't have to be
1: a grievous separation. Right. And that ends up with them coming back together and saying, Let's make mm. this covenant. Right And yeah. Wow. Well, Brian, I I don't think they're really, (laughs) I I don't think that when we started recording this or began to think about this, I was kind of like, well, I'm not sure how much is in this. (laughs) It's continuously
0: uh, surprising.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. That's how amazing the scriptures are.
0: Yeah. Amen. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up? No, I think that's that's it for me. Wonderful. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen today. Uh, yep. Uh, we'll have uh, some more contact information at the end, just in case you didn't get it at the start of the podcast. But uh, next time, Lord willing, we'll be getting into Genesis 27. Really thankful for you listening today again and uh, hope to be with you again very soon. Until that time, study well, be lights to God's glory.
2: Oh, yeah. Sure.